This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome back to Five on Three, WFUV Sports' best, if not only, hockey podcast. I am joined by some great guests virtually. Of course, can't see you guys in studio, but I can see your faces on a Zoom screen right now. None other than New York Islanders beat reporter Jack Warner is here. Will Jing makes his return to five on three. And I am James Burley. I'm going to throw it over to you, Jack. Jack, how are you doing, my man? Good to see you. Man, any any excuse to talk hockey with with James Burley is 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 a great day. I'm just going to leave it at that. We got plenty of plenty of stuff to talk about. And, you know, the playoffs are a long season. It's a long, you know, time frame. It's very tiring for you know, all the teams. And it's it's honestly tiring for fans. It's long. There's a lot of ups and downs. And now we've reached the end of the road where Stanley Cup, you know, you got a great story on the on the Florida side, you know, a little wild card too, making it to the very end, shocking the world. And you got Vegas, who's, you know, brand new, has been a competitor since the beginning, and, and they're looking to finally, you know, get a ring. So I'm excited to talk about it. It's a good time of year. I mean, I'm excited as well. I've been watching a lot. So, I mean, I'm like – I'm more than just excited to talk. I mean, this is like basically the best time to, to talk hockey. And I mean, I was I was supposed to be on last week's episode, but I think so, some stuff happened with that. So I'm just really happy this is happening right now. Well, as long as the schedule works, Will, we will fit you in. And boy, it is the best time of year for hockey fans. The Stanley Cup Finals is just around the corner. Game one between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers is tomorrow. You told me I was going to be saying these two teams at the midway point of the season, I wouldn't have believed you. Vegas, I could have maybe believed it. Florida, definitely not. They have shocked the world. We got a chance to talk about their sweep of the Carolina Hurricanes last week, but it wasn't really a sweep, uh, or so Rod, Rod Brindamore said. Yeah, I, I heard, I've heard. i heard that. I don't know. I, I, I guess yeah. we're just the idiots. I guess we're the morons that thought it was, you know, losing four games to nothing was a sweep. Was I guess yeah. we were wrong for that. Yeah, and, you know, as we watch this season close out the 60-day affair that is the Stanley Cup playoffs, the absolute gauntlet that teams have to run to is coming to an end, and a glorious end at that. Just looking back, some of the storylines we've had, Florida taking down the Bruins all the way to the Stanley Cup final, Devils-Rangers round one, the Kraken coming alive against the Colorado Avalanche, the reigning champs. This has been a great playoffs. I mean, surprises around every corner, and... I think what we didn't think we were going to see going into the conference finals was that both teams were on the chance to sweep one another in each side. We had Florida dominating Carolina, but each game being one goal games, as Rod Brindamore alluded to. And then on the other side, we had back and forth affairs between the Dallas Stars and Golden Knights. The Golden Knights jump out to a 3 nothing lead. The Stars claw it back to send it to six games. And then in game six, they bring back Jamie Benn, who had been suspended for two games, for that egregious cross-check. And then they lay the biggest egg of the playoffs, in my opinion. Six nothing in their own building to the Golden Knights as they advance, excuse me, advance to the Stanley Cup finals. And I look at this Stars series, and I really thought after games four and five that they showed enough life where they could send it to seven. And then in game six, everything went wrong. I mean, Jack, what was your takeaway from this one besides just an absolute crumble from the Dallas Stars? I mean, I saw Vegas winning more by depth. I really think depth is what won them the series. And, I mean, you absolutely had talent on both sides, you know, without a doubt. But, you know, when you have – you had Eichel and Marchesal and Stone all 
doing exactly what they're expected to do, what they always do on offense. There was never a game where they were really suffocated offensively. I, you could maybe argue for game five when obviously they scored twice, gave up, but then gave up goals in response quite quickly. But then, you know, on top of that, you know, in their middle lineup, they also were chipping in to kind of overwhelm the stars. I mean, they there was really no time where there was you really felt an advantage or at least a drastic advantage on Dallas's part. And I think that had to do a lot with, again, the, the depth that they had. And on the other end of the coin, I think what fell short for Dallas is that think about all the talent that this Dallas roster had, right? And all the different playmakers and 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 guys that are truly just truly guys that can tr- change the trajectory of a game. It almost felt like there was never a game where multiple guys had it going at once. It felt like Robertson had his game one night. It felt like Pavelski had his game another night. And yes, it, it fired them up because obviously they came back from 3-0 to bring it to 3-2, make it a little bit interesting. But then you had you had freaking 22-year-old tied down Drea in game five going back. He saved he saved that series in game five. Dude, Wikipedia hasn't even updated his pro- it still says junior ice hockey center. No, if no. you look up Ty Del Andrea, it says junior ice hockey center. So you had all you had certain things where look is it there when you Google it? Hold up. I'm getting it right now. Yeah, look at it. It's it's hilarious. It still says he plays junior hockey. No, it does. That is crazy. Yeah. So you just think about it. There were wow. it never felt like all the units of of this Dallas team were all on the same wavelength at one time. Then you had Ottinger, who was hot and not. There were times where he was really on top of it. There's times where it looked like he's never taken the ice before. You got Jamie Ben. You got your captain. Two games without your captain because he's a moron and 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 lays. And then he the comes back. He comes back and look what happens. Exactly. And and like you said, one of the most egregious penalties I've ever seen. So it was honestly a shame to see the way this panned out for Dallas, partially because I just rattled off to you five or six names. They had all the skill in the world, not only to get through this series, to win the whole thing, to win the Stanley Cup. And none of the it was never really a night where you had multiple players having a on point dominant performance at the same time. Yeah, I mean, my opinion would be that, you know, I, I share some of the same opinions in that, like, Dallas, they just didn't have, you know, the firepower from multiple people to take Vegas down four, you know, different games. But at the same time, I can't lie. I didn't – I'm actually surprised that they they were able to to do what they did, even given that roster, because Vegas is just, you know, as we mentioned earlier, just so deep of a team and, you know, has pieces that they didn't, you know, the last time these two teams faced off and Dallas won – and I mean, to me, I'm actually kind of shocked that Dallas was be able going to be able to push it to six because I actually said this on one on one. I think it was last Saturday. I think it was. Um, I didn't think that Dallas would even win Game Five. I thought that that was. I thought they had their their one game and you know in Game Four and that that was it. That was like their last hurrah. But I mean, obviously not. Um, and going back to your point, Jack, I think you know Ottinger. I mean, that that's one of the key things where it was like there was games where like when he was decent, they had a fighting chance and they were always like within a like a goal if they lost. But what like when he was off, like it was, I think it was the um the thing game three, I think it was where it was uh, ugly. He, he got he got pulled immediately. You know, it was like the the cross checking penalty, like and then Vegas scored two in five minutes and 
And I think that at that point it was 3-0 and they, they decided they had had enough. And I think that, you know, that just like highlights the importance of like, uh, like goalie play in terms of, in terms of how Dallas was playing. And, um, you know, if they're going to, they can definitely come back next year, I feel, and, you know, come back with the same roster and, and do better. But I mean, they just have to, you know, as you said, not make stupid mistakes like the cross-checking thing and just um, be more consistent, I feel. And Ottinger is really a good transition in terms yeah. of what we're talking about because Aiden Hill, who really came out of nowhere to put on quite a show in the series. I mean, you got to imagine how much of a blow that is when, when Brassois goes down and, and you lose a goalie. It's one thing I understand that, that all players put their, their, their bodies on the line when they're playing, but to lose a goalie to an injury just feels like incredibly bad luck. I mean, Vegas has also had their goalie issues like throughout, you know, the season. It's just like, you got Hill, you got Brossois, you got Jonathan Quick in there sometimes. So it's like, it's always been like, you don't know what the hell is going on, you know, you know, for uh, in terms of the goalie position for Vegas. So I feel like if there was one team that could afford to to have that happen, and not that any team can really like afford to really have it, but if there's one team that's like, all right, like we'll just like go and switch it. Like, I feel like it would be Vegas. But I don't know if it might, you know, catch up to them when they play the Panthers. Well, you know, I'm glad this conversation has shifted to goaltending because this year in the playoffs has been something of an anomaly when it comes to goalies. I'm going to name four names. Connor Hellebuck, Ilya Sorokin, Igor Shosturkin, and Linus Olmark. Those four goalies all had one thing in common, out in the first round. You look at the goalies in the Western Conference Final, Aiden Hill, who is could be could be the fourth string for Vegas. They lost Logan Thompson late in the season. He was having a tremendous year, tremendous year. Boosted my fantasy hockey team like nobody. (laughs) He was better than Soros for me. And I that the what what can I say to get that? But Logan Thompson goes down, and you get Laurent Brossois, who on paper as a backup goaltender isn't the flashiest of options. He balls out into the playoffs, does great. Injured, Aiden Hill comes in, and he doesn't look like a third string. He's benching Jonathan Quick right now. So for Vegas to have these options in goal to stand up the way that they have is incredible. You look at the goaltenders Vegas has taken out this year. In the first round, Hellebuck in five games, nothing. Second round, Stuart Skinner. That's a Calder finalist in goal, nothing. And then Jake Ottinger, they made Jake Ottinger look pedestrian, pedestrian in that Western Conference final for a lot of it. And look, Ottinger had his issues in the Kraken series as well, so I won't pin it all on him. Hellebuck has been bad in the playoffs before. That's a different discussion. But for Vegas to have looked this good against competent goaltending, makes me optimistic about the goaltender they will be facing in the finals in Sergei Bobrovsky. With that said, Bobrovsky's playoff numbers this year are otherworldly. Before we shift the the conversation to Florida, because we will get there, let's stay on Vegas for a little while. You talked about their depth, Jack. I couldn't agree more. You named three names off the dome, Eichel, Marcheseau, Stone. Those are three all-star caliber players. But underneath that, Riley Smith, Chandler Stevenson, Ivan Barbashev, Mike Amadio and William Carlson, Nicholas Waugh, like these guys have all been there and performing. That is what you need. That is scary for the Florida Panthers, on the other hand. You look at their blue line, I don't think there's a weak pairing on this blue line between Martinez, Petrangelo, McNabb, and Theodore, and then Nick Haig and Zach Whitecloud. They've been, they've been up with the best of them this playoffs, even though there are definitely questions about that third pairing. This Vegas Golden Knights team had to go through the ringer against the Edmonton Oilers. They faced the toughest Toughest duo of forwards in Dreisaitl and McDavid. And remember the playoffs Dreisaitl was having? If, if, if the Edmonton Oilers are still in this part of the season, I think Dreisaitl leads the race for Conn Smythe. That's just an opinion. 
but it's probably true. <laughs> if you look also, at Vegas now, go ahead, Jack, go ahead. I also was just say, I think it's incredibly telling to the overall depth, like we've been talking about with how impressive this depth is for Vegas. If you look at pretty much every other team, right? And I, and I, I understand Florida has played phenomenally as a team unit. But when you look at the teams that, you know, weren't either weren't expected to go as far as they did or teams that people knew going in didn't have the depth that Vegas has a lot of times you'll have your player that that stands out and is who all the headlines are about so even early in the playoffs Islanders it was Barzal he was one of the only people that showed up in the playoffs a couple other players but mainly it was Barzal then you got um I'm blanking oh okay I'm sorry you have but let's look at teams that are still in it. You have Florida, Kachuk, 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 Kachuk. Every article, Kachuk, Kachuk, Kachuk. But when you look at this Vegas team, the, really the only time where a single player was the headline was when Petrangelo got uh, uh, suspended. So you, it really is kind of a testament when they're. it's not like one player is ever getting highlighted. Yes, we've talked about the goaltending. Yes, there's been fantastic spurts of goaltending where it's like, all right, these guys rock. These guys are having great games. They're coming in. They're stepping up when they're needed most. But I think it's really a testament, like I said, to the depth that Vegas has that you really never hear about just one guy when there's conversations. And if I could throw a name into the ring for that conversation for Vegas, it would be Jack Eichel. Eichel's 18 points in 17 games has not been talked about enough for exactly the reason you're talking about, Jack. And it's that this Vegas team is exactly what I just called it, a team. But Jack Eichel, in his first career playoffs, too. Let's not forget that because yeah. he's been wasting away a lot of his time in Buffalo. Vegas now, they're big-time gunners for the for the Stanley Cup, not just this year, but going back to their inception in the league. And Jack Eichel has really taken on the challenge of playoff hockey to the fullest, the second overall pick from 2015. Got the better of uh, McDavid in the last round, but we will see, and I think – you mentioned a lot of teams that have that depth, Jack. I think that's a good transition into talking about their opponents in the Stanley Cup final. The guys from South Florida, it is the Florida Panthers. And if I look at this team on paper, and I really think that this team shouldn't be a wild card team. Then I look at the teams above them in the Atlantic Division, and I see the Boston Bruins, I see the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I see the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then you start to remember why these guys barely crept into the playoffs. And then you give a big thank you to the Pittsburgh Penguins for that as well. Yep. With that said, we do. Let's do the same thing. Let's name three forwards and then list all the forwards underneath them, like Stone, Eichel, Marchesso, Sasha Barkov, Carter Verhage, Maddie Kachuk. But then underneath that, you've got Anthony Duclair, Sam Bennett, Nick Cousins, three guys that have all scored massive goals. Sam Reinhardt, series clinching goals. They have contributors from the top line to the bottom line, and their defense. I mean, I don't like I don't like either of the Stahl brothers, for obvious reasons. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> Gustav Forsling, Aaron Ekblad, and Brandon Montour have been amazing. Radko Gudis, he's a bit of a cheap shot guy, but boy, is he valuable in the playoffs. And then the big man himself, Sergei Bobrovsky, has benched who I thought could have been the starter in the playoffs, Alex Lyon, who had a terrific uh, part of the season as well. And Bob has been, like we said, otherworldly. Jack, I'll start with you again. If you want to talk about Bobrovsky, I will let you because he deserves his own episode. Um but anywhere on the Florida Panthers you want to start with, what gives them the edge in this series potentially? So the main thing, it, it concerns Bobrovsky to an extent, but it also concerns everybody. I have never seen a team handle 
uh, being shorthanded so comfortably. They've had the best penalty kill since the start of the second round. Their penalty kill has been 84% since the Toronto series. That's ridiculous. They've allowed four goals in the past 25 times they've been, you know, they're, they've been shorthanded. And in on the other end of the coin, their power play has been amazing too. They've been right around 30% on their power play percentage. So the special teams is one of the things that's really been the backbone of them in the playoffs because, again, hockey is such a game of responses. It, I know all sports are, but hockey truly is. You scored. How are you going to respond? Who's going to respond first? You get a penalty. You're shorthanded. Or the other team that's a penalty, you have the advantage. Who's going to respond? And in the playoffs, when the intensity is so high and the margin for error is so much lower because momentum is so crazy in these playoffs. I mean, we've seen it. We had we had Florida, who honestly, like we said, was the outcast from the very beginning. They were your wild card team that didn't play like a conventional wild card team. What do they do? They go down early to Boston. They get this slew of momentum, and they haven't been an even match for anybody the rest of the playoffs. So this special teams for Florida – has been fantastic and it's really I think added a different level of, of of depth to their to their play. I mean they've it's made them that much harder to beat. They 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 make everything impossible. There's nothing easy. You can't score on Florida easy. You can't defend Florida easy. They've made absolutely nothing easy. And regardless of whether they win this cup or not, I will say that without a doubt they have been the grittiest team in the playoffs. And I don't think that there's any debate whatsoever. You want me to go, James? Yeah, Thanks. Will, please jump in. All right. Um, I think that in terms of what, what the Panthers have going for them, I think it's two things mainly, and one of them is more like a, a cluster of things. One is their their, uh, their advantage at the goalie position because, you know, obviously, as we mentioned, Vegas is, you know, Aiden Hill hasn't been the most consistent goalie, you know, especially you can see against Edmonton, just, you know, sometimes allowing just a bunch of goals in a game. I don't know if you, you're going to rely on him, you know, for – be able to rely on him to be consistent for seven games in a series or however many, you know, games a series goes. Um, and on the other hand, you have Bobrovsky, you know, he, and against that, blah, against the Carolina hurricanes, excuse me. Um, he had a shutout and then two games with a 97% save percentage. So, you know, to, to be going up against that is difficult enough. And then on the other hand, you know, you also have, and this is the other factor I think Florida has at their advantage is that I think that, you know, and Jack kind of talked about this too. It's more intangible things like consistency and capitalizing on opportunities. Cause I think um, I was watching one of the games uh, that Vegas was playing against Dallas and they were mentioning how like he had created like a bunch of like great opportunities. It was like nine or something shots or something like that. And none of them had went in. So it's just like things like that. It's, you know, capitalizing when you can get those opportunities. And, you know, Vegas, you know, sometimes I feel like they're afraid to shoot the puck. And I think that's going to be a problem for them. Um, especially when you're going up against Bobrovsky, you, you're going to need to keep throwing shots at the net. Um, you know, he's a great goal. You're going to have to keep going and not just very picky, be picky and choosy. And because I think that, you know, against somebody like Bobrovsky, you're going to need to, do more than that to get a couple of, you know, shots past him. And then, you know, on the other hand, you know, you have an inconsistent goalie. So, you know, you're going to need to be able to match that on the offensive end for Vegas. Well, I think you make a really good point about the dis disparity in goalies here because Vegas has been a team that's been 
almost afraid to shoot, but they've been opportunistic at the same time. So for them to have found goals the way that they have in previous series has been very impressive, especially when they get it in bunches like they can do just three goals in four minutes like it's nothing. They've had they've had two or three moments of that per series, I feel like. But Vegas, what they offer against this Florida team, I think is so similar. If you look at the makeup of their forwards, are we are we ready for prediction time or I think I think we're getting around there. So let's we're going to go around the horn. I'll go last because I I'll, I want more time to think about it. But Jack, I'll, I'll give it to you first. Give us a prediction. Who is it and how many games and why? So I personally have Florida winning it in six games. Wow. But I also have another sort of <laughs> ultra specific scenario that I also could see happening. Very either teams yeah, in in either team's direction, this could go this could go um, Florida or Vegas's direction. I could also see a series going seven games where there's no consecutive wins. Whoever wins game one wins the series because they win one, three, five, and seven, and the other team wins two, four, and six. Because you see these teams that they they were able to make adjustments well, and they were able to adapt really well. And they're also teams that, you know, I think are better at, at different things. I understand they both had great goaltending, but you have Florida who is just an unstoppable force on offense in the offensive zone. They're quick. They're shifty. They, they, they just find ways to put the puck in the net. And I think uh, Vegas's strengths were also offensive, but really on the defensive end. So I really do see this. My initial pick is Florida and six, but I can also see a seven gamer. I know it's super specific, but I could see a seven gamer with no team winning two games in a row. So whoever wins the, game whoever wins game one wins the series. I think I think dude, that's good. That's that's the type of stuff I want. Whoever wins game one wins the series. The more specific, the better. Will go. All right, this is a tough pick, and I can definitely see why you wanted extra time. Um, <laughs> it's also very i think for me it's i know what florida is going to bring um i mean they kind of they kind of they brought it to carolina every single game you know in the eastern conference finals with vegas it's more of like a variability thing you don't know how they're going to play um so if i was just to go like point blank if i had to just like regardless of like what situation happens if i had to make like a prediction of what I just think is going to go down. I think it's going to, I think it's going to have to be Panthers in seven. Um, but I think this game goes seven games, no matter what, um, either way. I think that Vegas, if Vegas can, you know, be consistent and if they're playing top notch hockey, if they're, if they're playing at their best and, you know, Aiden Hills, you know, <clears throat> not having those, those crappy games. And, um, you know, if, if, um, if there are there, there other players are just, you know, being consistent and capitalizing on opportunities, I think they can take it in seven for short. But I think just at the rate that they're going right now, I just think that they're going to have one too many mishaps or something like that. And I think that um, Florida being the team that they are, they're going to capitalize and take it in seven. I, I'm going to agree with the seven game shout and for the reasons you said. And I like Jack, I like the idea of, one team winning the first and second, because these teams have had the commonality of being able to figure their opponents out, but they've also traded punches. Florida have been in every game, even the games that they've lost. 
they've been very tight. They're I think the biggest loss they took the playoffs was six two in game four against the the Bruins, but they've won the rest of that series back. They have lost one game since then in the playoffs, which is remarkable. So this Florida team has been a um since that moment an exemplar of consistency. On the other hand, Vegas is a team that will win a game by many goals and then lose a game by many goals the next day. I don't think that trend can continue in the playoffs. I think we're going to see a seven-game series, and five or six of these games are going to be decided by one goal. And for that reason, I think the Florida Panthers might be a bit more comfortable to play in these situations. And I do think the goaltending will catch up to Vegas. Yes, they did score a lot on Hellebuck. Yes, they did score a lot on Ottinger and Skinner. But Bobrovsky is a different animal. And I think we've seen signs of decline throughout the, the playoffs over years from Connor Hellebuck. I don't think Stuart Skinner is maybe as good as a Calder candidate, even though he is, for a young goaltender in this league, top notch. And then I will say that Jake Ottinger had a shaky playoff starting with that Seattle series. So I like Vegas's chances to have gotten to this point, and I like them to push Florida to the brink. But Florida's grit and their goalie and their willingness to get timely goals and just score right when you think they're, they're done and out of it and stay in tight games to the end, those are invaluable. And I think that the Florida Panthers are going to be Stanley Cup champions in seven games this year. That is ridiculous. That is a ridiculous thing to say out loud. But it's, it's June crazy. 2nd, 2023, so it's not as ridiculous as it once was. But, you know, the other thing that is really going to make this interesting, at least this is something that I it stands out a little more to me, is that Vegas is going to be going into this cup trying to break a curse. Because not only have they been a contender every year, not maybe they haven't made the Stanley Cup every year, they made it one year and lost the Caps, but, you know, they, they've been a contender just in playoffs in general every year since the creation of the team. They're and a Western then, Conference powerhouse, for sure. Exactly. On top of that, though, they have developed a little bit of a, of a I'll call it a curse, of kind of forgetting how to score once they get into the later rounds mm. of the playoffs. I mean, do we have to go back to San Jose? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to kick. I don't want to be too negative because these they're they're in the, they're in the damn Stanley Cup. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rag on them. They could have been doing something right, but they're definitely there's gonna they're, they're going in with a chip on their shoulder because they're 0 and 1 in the Stanley Cup, a year that they could have absolutely won it. And two, like I said, they have I won't go as far as a reputation, but they've had it happen enough times for concern where late in the playoffs the offense runs out of gas. I think there is something to be said of there's an attitude in Vegas as well. It's not necessarily cockiness. It's not necessarily arrogance, but there's a flip that switches at a certain point, Jack. And I think you're alluding to that. If there's a chance that that sort of trend follows up again, I think it would be a good bet to say that it happens in the coming Stanley Cup final round against Sergei Bobrovsky, who I think if, if the Florida Panthers win it, he gets the Conn Smythe trophy. Uh, or either him or Kachuk. It's it's a toss-up between those two. And mm -hmm. then if Vegas wins it, I think you have to give it to Jack Eichel. So I think um, we're going to find out who is the Stanley Cup winner, Conn Smythe winner by the end of this series. Uh, we're going to find out who had the best predictions from earlier episodes. I was listening to some today. We said some wild stuff this year. I won't go into that. That'll be for a later <laughs> episode. 
for the nine or so minutes that we have left with each other, boys, we have to talk a little bit local. Andrew Burnett is in as the Nashville Predators head coach. He's out as the associate coach of the New Jersey Devils. And a former name that Devils fans and Predators fans will know, let's keep it all together here, John Himes is in talks to become the new coach of the New York Rangers. Uh, Gerard Gallant let go after the playoff loss to uh, the New Jersey Devils in seven games. That was uh, pretty pretty sweet for us over here in New Jersey. But Yeah, I was going to say, you, uh, I, I, that, I'm sure that was so painful for you to have to say, to summarize. To have to talk about the Devils de demolishing the Rangers in seven. Yeah, oh, man, uh, the emotions. Anyway, John Hines spent four and a half years, I believe, as the coach of the New Jersey Devils, maybe more, uh, ironically enough, lived in my hometown. And really? I actually I actually got – I went to a game with his family once. Great people. There have been some negative New York Rangers fans. Well, I don't know if you know schematically about John Hines because you didn't have the privilege of watching him so long in New Jersey. But with a coaching change in New York, like, is there is there anything you're looking forward to? Is there any names out there? Because Peter Laviolette, there's a lot of NHL coaches that they're looking at. The Rangers are going to be taking a new direction one way or the other. Just any opinions in general you have on the Rangers offseason, especially with staff. Will, I'm going to so, go to you first for this. Oh, sorry about that. Jack, Jack, you're getting second. Hold up. Hold up now. I got you. I got you. I got you. I, got you. I know you're eager. I know you want to talk about it. But, Will, you're getting the first one this time. I think, I, in my opinion, they moved on from Gallant too early. Um I think, uh, you know, some people might disagree, but I don't think it's one of those things in sports now where it's just like, you know, blame the coach. That's like the first person you're going to go blame. And I mean, from from what he did in Vegas to like what you've seen him do in New York, I, like I'm not going to go out here and say like he's the best coach ever, but he's like in the upper echelon. And if you're going to get rid of him, then I mean, given the roster you have now, which is a roster that is trying to contend despite the fact that they got balanced in the first round, right? You want um you want to have somebody that's that's going to be an upgrade. And right now, I just don't think that John Hines is that upgrade. Um, you know, it's not like he has a, a super fantastic career record. I'm looking at his record right now. His career record's 284, 254, and 63, and he's never made it pa past the first round of the playoffs. So again, I mean, yeah, sure, he has more wins than than uh, losses if you exclude the overtime losses. But, like, again, you, you, you know, you're moving on from Gallant, who's taking your team and done some pretty solid things, and you're getting something that I don't know really where you're going to go from here. Like, I don't think that this is really an upgrade. And so the, the most you're going to get is just continuing to flounder around in the same spot. And so for me, I just – I don't know if it's the right decision. Again, you know, Gallant, obviously, you know, he never won the championship with Vegas. Um and he, he it's not like he's done like something super significant, but then again, it's like you you do see him winning games and doing good things with teams, and it's like you acknowledge what he can do and the skill level he does have as a coach. I mean, look, it's a weird spot because whenever you talk about something New York sports related, you have to take into account the and I, I have many friends who are New York sports fans. I love them all to death. The psychotic nature of New York fans. So I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to believe, like, there are a lot of interesting candidates for this Rangers job. Before I get to that, I will say, um, I do understand, I, I understand what, what Will's saying. Cause like, I, I felt like, I, I won't say that I was shocked, 
at the decision that was made for Gallant, but I was also, when the news broke, I was like, damn, already? Like, I wasn't sure if there was going to be more of a debate. Um, I really think you could argue for or against Gallant. I don't, I'm not shocked and nor am I surprised as to why they didn't do it. I mean, he does, unfortunately, have a bit of a track record of, of having good teams in the past and not getting the job done. It's actually hilarious that we, you, this was the next segment because I just, I just a segment ago joked about the the San Jose Vegas, uh, you know San Jose comeback that was one of Gallant's teams. Um, so I'm not surprised at the decision made for Gallant with New York. I'm just gonna have to I'm gonna have to believe it when I see it. And what I mean by that is I'm I'm not gonna get especially considering I don't really consume. Uh, oh no, I do consume New York hockey, but I'm not obviously a, a fan. Um, no one is going – you're not going to get a unanimously good response from anyone, and you're not going to get – there's no locks, and there's there there hasn't been, and there never will be because New York is one of the most opinionated fan bases on the face of the planet. So you, you could you could pull a guy that, that – you could have a candidate – you could have Wayne Gretzky as your coach candidate, and some New York fan will find a way to be like, oh, look at this guy. Look at who, the, look at who they passed up on. Yeah, Here like, we go. Another, he knows, another he knows five hockey. years. He knows hockey, but he, he's not New York. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, you yeah. know, they couldn't – all the great guys in New York, they couldn't have hired Henry. What's Henry up to? Why yeah, Why are they right. hiring Henry? You know, it's so um, I'm going to have – like I'm not getting hung up on any candidate really until I just – until they make their decision and until I, I see how it goes because honestly I can't – I can't trust anything I read because it's just there's so much passion. And a lot of times that gets, I mean, this is the same city that I've heard. I heard boo Aaron judge at one point in Yankee stadium. Like it's, it's, that's a crime. So it's, it's an interesting city for this to be happening to. It's kind of unfortunate that a team as talented as the Rangers still has to balance who their head coach is going to be, who the leader of the helm is going to be. But um, it should be interesting as, as it starts to wind down who, who that will end up being. Over, over the course of two seasons, Gerard Gallant's Rangers averaged 108 points. So that's a really, really good regular season record with an Eastern Conference final finish in his first year, a first round exit to the third best team in the league, Devils, his second year. Harsh to get fired, but it is the New York Rangers. It is New York. So you see why it happens, even if there is an argument to be said. It was too early. Um, the name John Hines, it's very close to my home as the former Devils coach. I don't know if it's a great fit, guys. Um, as a Devils fan, that excites me because, you know, I'd like to see the Rangers try to figure things out and maybe sacrifice some points early in the season to do that. But John Hines is a good coach. Is he the right coach for this Rangers team? I have my doubts. With that said, Andrew Burnett replaces him as the head coach of the Nashville Predators. Jack, you and I, real quick on this one. He was the 2022 President's Trophy leading coach for the Florida Panthers. Gets fired after their second round exit in the playoffs. Goes to the Devils. Joins as an assistant coach. They have the greatest turnaround in NHL history as the assistant coach to Lindy Ruff. And then after a season there, gets headhunted by the Nashville Predators. I said on the on the air radio before that I didn't think he was going to get um, picked up by any other team because the Devils brought him in specifically to be like a transitional coach from Lindy Ruff. But they're keeping Lindy Ruff. The Devils have made that clear. So Burnett says, I'm going to go join my friends in Nashville. That is a talented hockey club over there. Not a playoff team this year, but they have been. Jack, real quick, we only got a minute and a half. Your quick thoughts on Brunette going to Nashville. I'm just excited to see kind of it, – it's exciting to see people take on a job that they're that they're clearly fit to 
to do, but are clearly getting their first crack at it. I mean, this will be his first, this is technically his first head coaching job. I mean, he, since he was named, he was obviously, he was interim for Florida for, mm-hmm. you know, for the end of 2020 or 2021. Um, so I think being on a team that was elite and as elite and effective as New Jersey will be great for him, but no, I'm excited to see that. I think there'll be a bit of a learning curve, but they have a talented team there. And um, I think it's a good hire. I think I think they're going to do well. I think they're at least going to do better than this year. Well, that is just going to about do it for us. We all did. We all take the Panthers in seven, and then yeah, Jack with it. a bit of a caveat there. So well, yeah. I mean, look, look at this: three guys in the New York sports podcast taking the Florida Panthers to win the 2023 Stanley Cup. Gotta That's crazy, crazy. But for Jack Warner, for Will Jing, I am James Burley. This has been Five on Three. WWB's best if only hockey podcast saying so long and I will see you guys next time.